Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the Watt. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Welcome, football fans, to this NBC Sports Radio and NBCSN remote broadcast event. We are on the road at the NFL Scouting Combine, live from Indianapolis. It's Pro Football Talk Live. Let's do this, Florio. Edition of Pro NBCSN. Hello to our good friends in the UK and in Ireland enjoying the program on Sky Sports. This is not Chris Sims. No. No. Uh, you, you roughly are as tan as Chris, though. Your excuse is you weren't in Turks and Caicos for a week. <laughs> I will say everyone that's great behind the camera was panicking this morning because they knew I was going to be on set. And I do not have my own makeup kit. So at 7 a.m., there's already been runs to Walgreens or CVS pharmacy trying to get makeup on this face to make me look presentable. Well, that's sure. good. Well, trust me, there was a, an effort, uh, emergency effort the other night because somebody forgot to bring his makeup from West Virginia. And uh, I, don't the same know, boat. I don't know that they'll have to go a half hour away. I think there was some embellishment there. I don't necessarily trust <laughs> they had to go as far as they claim they did. But uh, we'll get some makeup on Josh Norris at some point over the course of the next four hours. But, but Chris, Chris, you know, I'm sure Chris isn't watching, but we, we extend our best wishes to our good friend and we hope that he will be fine. Maybe he'll show up at some point today. You never Maybe. know. Maybe he rallies. I've, he's improving, but to, just to show you how bad he was doing yesterday, he's improving today and there's no way he can make it over. He really fought through it and tried to do it yesterday and I, I admire him for that. All right. So let's get down to business. What you need to know this morning. Today is the day that the window opens for the application of the franchise tag and the transition tag. And Josh, this was a two-day delay to accommodate the CBA negotiations. And the window is opening under the rules of the current labor deal, which means every team has one franchise tag and one transition tag. Usually it's one or the other. And this becomes a factor for a couple of teams. Yes. Cowboys, Titans, Maybe the Buccaneers. We, we really don't know what they want to do with Jameis Winston, but the Cowboys have Amari Cooper, the receiver they acquired in trade from the Raiders a year and a half ago, 
and quarterback Dak Prescott. Titans have quarterback Ryan Tannehill and running back Derrick Henry. And the Buccaneers have pass rusher Shaq Barrett and quarterback Jameis Winston if they want to keep him. And this creates an awkward situation for these teams now because the window's open. What do you do? And I'm a big believer that this is all deadline-driven anyway. Mm -hmm. And what matters is when it closes, not when it opens. But it is kind of a weird thing that we've got the window opening under this old set of rules while the NFL Players Association tries to figure out what they're going to do with this CBA proposal. It's a massive wrinkle, the transition tag plus the franchise tag, because in many other years, you'd only have either Dak or Amari Cooper reach free agency. And we were listening to Mike McCarthy's press conference yesterday, and he was talking about how in sync Dak and Amari were. And it kind of seems like a package for them moving forward. I mean, in a new coach with somewhat of a new system, obviously Kellen Moore is still going to be on that coaching staff. You want to keep some type of continuity and explosion. And I think Michael Gallup's a very good player, but I don't know how the Cowboys could look at themselves in the mirror, give Ezekiel Elliott a contract prior to 2019, and then let a playmaker either, it's not going to happen with Dak Prescott, but in someone like Amari Cooper, who they obviously traded high draft capital for, hit the open market. So I would expect both to be on the roster, obviously heading into next season. Well, and ideally what the Cowboys would do is get Dak Prescott signed to a contract before the tag deadline so they could use the tag on Amari Cooper if ultimately the CBA goes through and there's only one tag available. But what an embarrassment it will be for the Cowboys if Cooper hits the open market and they can't re-sign him. Because remember, it was a year ago when they were blustering about their first-round pick being Amari Cooper. Oh, what are you going to do when you're on the clock? Well, we're going to watch Amari Cooper film. But the thing is, when you use that first-round pick for a guy who's in the middle of his fourth season and he's got that high-level fifth-year option and then the franchise tag, and you don't have a franchise tag because you have not yet been able to sign your quarterback, and he walks away, that is a huge, huge embarrassment. It's the kind of thing that could get a GM fired if the GM wasn't the owner of the team. And the relationship that he and Dak had, especially against your Minnesota Vikings last season. It was really? one of the it wait, was one of, I mean look wait, I have to fill this chair. Don't worry about getting makeup for Josh. I have to fill this chair appropriately. Visit. Uh his game against the Vikings was fantastic. Those sideline grabs, those contested catches. That is something you cannot break up, especially with a wide receiver like Amari Cooper who's had a roller coaster of a career. He's had 6 to 8 game stretches that were one of the best in the league at his position than six, eight games that were very, very quiet. There seems to be consistency now. But when I look at the true franchise tag across the NFL, just looking at the free agent list, edge rushers, defensive players, it seems like it's going to be the vast majority get that. And so then that allows me, makes me think that that second level group, ones that either get cut maybe like Olivier Vernon or Shaq Barrett, who as coming off just one season of fantastic play. It's something that I'm not sure how much I would pay them long-term. Right. That a tag just giving them an extra year in their same system just makes total sense. Well, and, you know, there's a dynamic we saw last year with with edge rushers, Frank Clark and D. Ford. You tag them and then you trade them, and you Hmm. get a heck of a lot for them rather than letting them leave as free agents and have that departure factor in to the compensatory draft pick formula the following year, if you can get a first-round pick and a second-round pick for Frank Clark, 
tag and trade him. If you can get a second-round pick for D. Ford, tag and trade him. So maybe that's what the Jaguars do with Yannick Ngakwe. Maybe that's what the Buccaneers... Although, I think the Buccaneers are determined to keep Shaq Barrett. And Barrett has said enough to imply that he's willing to do a reasonable deal with the Bucs to stay put. He's very conscious of the tax rate in Florida, which is zero. Hmm. He doesn't want to play for a California team where it's 13.3%. So I think he's, he's sent the signal that he's willing to be reasonable to stay with the Buccaneers. But, you know, for Yannick Ngakwe, I think he's done in Jacksonville. I think really? he wants out. I think he wants out of Jacksonville. And they tag him. I think tag and trade is a very real possibility. If Yannick Ngakwe was on a more prolific team, I think he would be considered one of the best edge rushers in the NFL. He's got 37 sacks, 37 and a half in four years. He's a fantastic player. Yep. And I, I understand some frustration because I don't know if it's the Jaguars' number one priority in 2020 to win football games in Jacksonville right now. I mean, spending two games in London, uh, keeping the same losing franchise both from the general manager and head coach perspective. The reason I brought up Olivia Vernon's name and someone like Robert Quinn is if Matt Judon gets tagged, Chris Jones as well, these second-tier players, because Vernon's still on the Browns but might not be for much longer, they might be the ones who – are the beneficiaries yep. with major contracts. Well, it was Ver- remember, it was Vernon who got the major contract when Von Miller was caught in yes. the franchise tag, and Von Miller was like, what's going on here? It could be Vernon again. Yeah. Um, this is an interesting group in that it's a very good edge rushing and defensive line class as well. So how does that wrinkle throw into this whole mismatch and, and conundrum. Plus, you have the entire Jadavion Clowney conversation here. And Clowney's a fascinating case because in his trade deal, it was said that he cannot be franchise tagged. Would a team really pay Jadavion Clowney as the number one defensive contract in the NFL? Someone who might not be known for his pass rushing prowess, at least statistically, yet on the field, when he is on, he's one of the most dominant forces in the NFL. Right. It's not sacks. It's Chris Sims' patent-pending statistic. I can't say F, that here. F up the play. Yes. We, we can say F up the play. And that's what Jadavion Clowney does. He creates havoc. He destroys things. He, he blows the play up and keeps the offense from doing what it wants to do. The problem with Clowney, though, is every time you think it's finally falling together, he ends up with some sort of an injury. He had that dominant performance on the Monday night against the 49ers in Santa Clara. Game of his career. Right, And I think without him that night, the Seahawks don't win the game. And then we hear that he had a sports hernia, core muscle injury, whatever label you apply to it. That began to hurt him during the game. It hampered him the rest of the season. And, uh, you know, that's the caveat for a guy like for a guy like Jadavian Clowney because you're paying for the hope right. that he can be the guy that we saw that Monday night more than once a year and ideally, you know, on a regular basis. How do you feel – of A.J. Green's situation right now. This is a player who's given so much to the Bengals, eight, what, plus years, had some fantastic seasons. You know, they made, he, they've made the playoffs, I believe he's played four times, never gotten out of the first round. But you have to think in his position, the grass is greener. Like, this is the time in his career to be on a good team, but it might not be by his choice because they obviously can franchise tag him. You have the number one overall pick. Joe Burrow is almost certainly headed in that direction. And so you have to have some setup for success. And you have good skill position players around him, right? Tyler Boyd, John Ross, Joe Mixon was one of the best running backs in the league during the second half of last season. But is really A.J. Green going to be thrilled to be playing in that situation now this late in his career? Part of the problem for A.J. Green is he is not wired to take a stand. He's not wired to hold out. He's not wired to come out and say, I don't want to be here anymore. 
when Julio Jones was holding out and trying to get more money and toying with the possibility of a training camp holdout, A.J. Green came out and said, I support him. I wouldn't do it, but I support him if he does it. So, you know, sometimes teams get a read on a guy's personality and they take advantage of it. They know the guy isn't going to draw a line and stay away. And I think the reality with the Bengals, they got to ask themselves, what are they going to get out of him if they tag him? He didn't play at all last year. Exactly. So you're, you're making a huge financial investment, and that's something the Bengals typically don't like to do. And I think we could see a scenario where they tag him and maybe don't trade him right away, hmm. but tag him, see how things play out, see how the early stages of the season go, and then this time around they do what we thought they were going to do last year, which is trade him at the trade deadline. That, that could be what they do. But the other thing about the Bengals, when you're dealing with an unconventional team, we can't apply conventional analysis and prediction to what we think a team, a rational, well-run team. Sorry, Cincinnati. But, it's, I mean, I don't know why all of a sudden it's a hot take that the Bengals aren't good and it's not a good football organization. It's been proven year after year, time and again. I still think Marvin Lewis should be there. I think he was underrated and not appreciated for what he did for that team because of all the obstacles, starting with the reluctance to spend the kind of money that you need to spend to have a great organization. But I, I, I could see them... Tag him, keep him, eventually trade him. And then this road also leads back to Derrick Henry as well. We started this conversation with the franchise tag plus transition tag. Well, if that is off the table, which do you think is more likely? Derrick Henry gets a long-term contract. Ryan Tannehill gets a long-term contract. It would make sense to go in the quarterback route, but he's also the one who's been on the team for a less amount of time. He also impacts the team in a much larger way, even though we all believe Derrick Henry is a very, very talented player. Uh, it just has shown the past few big money second-year contracts for the running back position just certainly have not You instantly out. regret it. Yeah. Todd, there's no way the Rams would sign Todd Gurley yeah. to the contract they signed him to two years ago. They regretted it after one season. And you could say the Cowboys. Look at what they got last year from Ezekiel Elliott and say, man, we really shouldn't have done that. So you have to be careful when you're heading in that direction. Derrick Henry's a bit of a different case, though. We have seen him being used more and more. We've seen his production go up. And you just wonder, is he entering now truly prime years? And what do you want the incentive to be in those prime years? You could tag him this year and continue to feed that incentive, that desire to go out and perform, have a 2,000-yard season, which I think Josh, he's capable of. If he played all year long like he does the second half of the season, he would have 2,000-yard season. It's such a small sample size, Mike, yeah. because even 16 games, when you look at it from a, a large picture, is a small sample size. We only about have half of that, 10 games, just a little more than that, with the Tennessee Titans. And, you know, bringing the band back together, I think, is fun. And the Titans were one of the more exciting teams down the stretch. Obviously, we saw what they did in the playoffs. And they can even improve. I mean, A.J. Brown really didn't hit his stride until the second half of last year. And, I mean, Ryan Tannehill was one of the best play-action passers statistically in the NFL. I do worry. I do worry about paying a back like Derrick Henry. Again, I love him. I, he's one of the best fourth-quarter closers in the NFL. Jim Brown. I think he's today's Jim Brown, he the just, way he runs. He is not effective in the passing game right now as – when I look at second contract running backs, Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey absolutely stand out as players I think would be worth it because they are so multidimensional. They are so diverse and how you can use them and their effectiveness. Derrick Henry is a totally different style. It fits in the identity, and I think that's great with the Titans. But it took them a while to get, obviously, to this identity that they have. There's a weird vibe with the Titans and Ryan Tannehill also, and I can't really figure out 
where they're coming from. Now, I understand it with the Buccaneers and Jameis Winston. He threw 30 interceptions. Ryan Tannehill only had the fourth-highest single-season passer rating of all time. And he was, even though they didn't overuse him, when they used him, he made good throws. He made good decisions. Now, I worry about his injury history. He played with a reckless abandon last year that I wouldn't want him playing with if I made a major investment in him. And I think that's the thing you immediately worry about if you give Ryan Tannehill a big contract. Is he going to suffer another torn ACL? Is he going to have some other sort of injury? Is there going to be a regression? And I just, between Mike Vrabel, the head coach, and John Robinson, the GM, I I wonder what they are thinking about behind door number two. There's been so much steam about Tom Brady. But whether it's Tom Brady or Phillip Rivers or someone else, I just can't help but wonder whether they think Ryan Tannehill has taken the team as far as he can. And if we ever want to go next level, we need one of these other guys. There's one free agent that is not getting enough love. Ark Armstead is the name. Uh, the edge rusher, interior defense, and he may get tagged. He could still get tagged. I think so. He could. He could. They're at about thirteen million dollars, and the cap can obviously yeah, fluctuate yeah. with anything. But there were times this year. Obviously, DeForest Buckner, Nick Bosa got all the love. But yeah. there were multiple game stretches where Arik Armstead would be the number one player on that defense, and it helps to have D Ford and Nick true. Bosa. And it's also funny how these things happen in contract years. Yeah. Well, we'll see how that plays out for Eric Armstead and the 49ers and everybody else who's about to be a free agent. But the focus for this week is the guys entering the league. And tonight, the quarterbacks and the receivers will be working out. We'll get you ready for that when PFT Live continues. Here from Indianapolis right after this. Over 300 of the very best college football players have been invited to the NFL Scouting Combine. Let's see who Florio likes. This is Pro Football Talk Live in Indianapolis. Here's Mike. I'm a different person, to be honest, and um, I, I think the kid that showed up at the University of Oregon is, is, isn't me anymore, and, um, you know, there's, there's aspects of my game that have changed. Um, I've, I've become more... Vocal. I've, I've become more outgoing, and, and there are things that uh, you have to do to be to be a quarterback. And the way the quarterback carries himself, um, I think that I've done a great job of, of of becoming that over these past four years. I will say this: if the NFL draft were based solely on hair, Justin Herbert would be the first overall pick, and they would shut it down after one selection. There would be no one else worthy of even getting on the stage. Justin Herbert, the Oregon quarterback, that was at the podium. The other day, he was here with Chris Sims and me. Josh Norris is in for Chris today, who continues to be under the weather. I never understood what that phrase means, but we all know. I mean, where it came from, like under the weather. Like, what does that mean? He's sick. He's sick. He's got the flu. The whole store's got the flu. Hopefully, the whole store won't get the flu because he was here passing it around on Tuesday before he got sick. All right, Josh. Quarterbacks and receivers working out tonight. Justin Herbert from Oregon will be working out. Joe Burrow isn't. Tua Tonga-Vailoa recovering from the hip surgery isn't. Who are you looking forward to seeing doing their thing prime time tonight in uh, Lucas Oil Stadium? Let's continue down this Justin Herbert path. Uh, you all saw that he threw, what, 32 touchdown passes last year. I watched all six of his interceptions. Th- there were some red flags there, Mike. Um, this is a player who I don't know can, like, make magic outside of structure. It's one who I think has to hit his back foot, then find the open receiver down the field. I know Chris has loved the way he throws the football. I do, too. It's 
he has lasers. I mean, there's plenty of arm talent out there. He, he has the arm to make every single throw, but the decision-making at times, and what really stood out to me was all six interceptions, zero disruption. So it was just what was going on in his mind, a misread, a wrong decision in those moments that caused the interception, and that cannot translate to the NFL. And that's an interesting point because in Patrick Mahomes, we see the ultimate example of a guy who is really operating two plays, the play they call and then the play that he pulls out of thin air or from some other orifice when it all falls apart and he makes it work. We've had the conversation this week about Kirk Cousins. Right. Kirk Cousins can't do that. And, and I think, oh, and so let me take it this direction. Who are the guys from this quarterback class that you believe would have the ability to be more like Mahomes, where when it hits the fan, they can create, yep. they can be loose, they can be confident, and they can make things happen even if the intended play falls apart. Yeah, right now as we sit here in late February, only two. It's Joe Burrow and it's, and it's Tua. Uh, Joe Burrow consistently showed that this year, and everyone talked about his small hands, obviously. Fumbling was an issue, and he faced quite a lot of disruption with LSU this year, but he's able to keep his eyes up in those situations. He certainly, I wouldn't call him as athletic as Patrick Mahomes, certainly not as athletic as Lamar Jackson. A lot of these other quarterbacks that can, you know, make space and make plays happen outside of structure, but it it might be like a tier below an Aaron Rodgers, who is someone who is very good at escaping out of the backside or climbing up in the pocket. Um, and but if, Joe, you, if you're a tier below Aaron Rodgers, right? I mean, this is no, the no, first I just, I just mean mobility. The, okay, but this is the first overall pick in the draft. I mean, that the thing with Joe Burrow, that confuses me. Yeah. And, and I, don't, I don't watch as much college football as I could or should because I'm traveling every Saturday to New York for what we do on Sunday. But with Joe Burrow, I, you know, this guy comes out of nowhere, right? Totally. Is, well, and, and to but, come but, out of but nowhere. If we, but if we go back, it's not exactly out of nowhere because being recruited by Ohio State right. is not out of right. nowhere. But, I mean, as a performer at the college level. It's yes. one year. It's 15-0. and 0, It's Heisman Trophy. It's national championship. And, you know, the NFL junior that is the SEC, there's a lot of good there. But I, I, you know, for him to, and I, I, let me ask you this: If Tua Tagovailoa hadn't got hurt, gotten injured, would he be the number one overall pick over Joe Burrow? I cannot answer that question because Tua Tagovailoa did get hurt, and you know, Joe, oh, come on, I'm serious. I mean, this is both are quality players, and I'm not sure. And we've heard only glowing reports from Tua's hip. Of course, of course, we have. And that's another what-if scenario, right? So I'm not sure if every team, one, they need a quarterback, right? Two, if they love Tua. And three, if they have a clean medical on Tua. All three of those have to align for him to be a top five, top ten selection. The other concern, and that's an equation though, is, we don't know. But the other concern, and a GM told me this when Tua got injured, three lower body injuries at the college level, if you can't stay healthy at that level, you are not going to stay healthy at the next level. And if you're using mobility and you're putting your heart, yourself in harm's way, it's just going to keep happening. You mentioned one-year quarterbacks, Kyler, Mitch Trubisky, a lot of others recently have just been one year as well. We'll be back. Mike Vrabel. Right now. Back covering the most intense four day job interview of all time. It's Pro Football Talk Live at the 2020 NFL Scouting Combine. Let's see who Florio likes. Continue our coverage of the 2020 Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. Our next guest finished his second season as head coach of the Tennessee Titans with a berth in the AFC Championship. He is Mike Vrabel back on the program. Coach, congratulations. I mean, I know, I know. 
you want to win it all. But sure. still, you got to be damn proud of what you've done in two years to get the team as far as it's come from two and four this year, making the switch to Ryan Tannehill, and it was fun to watch. Yeah, what I'm proud of is our players and their effort uh, and their finish and how they played and how they responded to a little bit of adversity. The one thing I'll, I'll be most proud of is this past season is that we didn't have a whole lot of front runners. Uh, when you start two and four, uh, it, it's real easy to to start complaining and pointing fingers, and, and our guys didn't do that. Um, and, and, and nobody acted like a front runner, and, and I'll be proud of that. Well, that, that's a credit to you. I mean, that's kind of the aura you give off. So I think you uh, that's me trying to give you a compliment. But I appreciate also, it. Yeah, um, but also with your, your quarterback. Just mm-hmm. explain to that, like his attitude, the way he is, what, what made it work, why did he fit, you know, and, and the things you're talking about. The thing about. I noticed early on is yeah. when we signed Ryan or, and we traded for him um, is he came in and, and you have to learn. I mean, you know, you've learned different systems. And, again, the, the plays, a lot of them are similar, but they're called something different, and that is very hard to be able to to master the terminology, the looks, uh, the reads, the progression, the you know the, the run game, you know yeah. how we want to handle the run game, sure. the things that we want to can to, and how we want to manip- manip- manipulate our run game. Right. And he learned all that, and he supported Marcus, and I think that will be the thing that um, I'll look back and be, and be thankful for Ryan as he supported. Uh, he didn't agree with the role. Who would? Who would ever say I want to be a backup? Um, but he supported. Uh, that decision Uh, and then when given the opportunity um, he excelled Um, his leadership uh, blossomed right um, and and that that was something that I'll I'll look back and be thankful for when did you first start deliberating whether or not Ryan should be the guy instead of Marcus the change was already made during the sixth game sure when did you first have that 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 synapse fire in your brain that maybe he should be the guy um you know, always evaluating the team. I mean, you guys evaluate the show and what you like about it and what you don't like about no, it. No, we don't. No. He's well, still here. No, we don't. You, know, I, you guys put a lot of time in there. You guys, you guys have um, obviously improved um, in, in what you've done, but that's, that's my job is to evaluate the things that we do well and try to continue that and enhance it and then fix the things that we don't do well. Um, and, and we weren't doing a whole lot of things well, you know, and, and offensively at that point in time. And... Um, just felt like we, we needed a spark and we needed all need to play better. What, what is it about his physical attributes that you really like? I mean, you know, he's a great athlete. He's got mm-hmm. size. His down-the-field throwing was off the charts this year. Um, I mean, you, know, I, you know, he really grasped the concept of how we wanted to play the football game and, yeah. and be able to run it, um, play pass, uh, take some shots. Uh, and then he helped us when, when protection broke down or we asked him to run. Um, you know, in the keeper game, he was able to get out on the edge and right. um, and, and extend plays and, and do some things down down the field. Um, I, I just I, I would feel cheated if I didn't ask you this, but like you know, just your thoughts. Oh, your boss would get mad at you. Oh, you know, yeah, he might. Good. You're right. So <laughs> you calling him my boss over there? See, okay. he gets it. He knows. He knows how it goes. It's my work wife, everybody, not my boss. Everybody, my everybody's wife. got a boss. Yeah. everybody's got a boss. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I do want to ask you just about the AFC Championship game. You got yeah. to see Patrick Mahomes twice this year. Just, you know, again, he's the man of the <coughs> moment right now. Just w- what jumps out to you evaluating him and then seeing him in person on the field? Uh, you know, just his, his composure, I think, um, under under duress. You know, there were times that um, in both games that, that we either pressured him or, or had a guy free and he would drift and, and be able to throw to spots. Uh, down the field, you know, 15 or 20 yards right. in front of a receiver that he knew would, would be there. Um, it, it, you know, his ability to obviously extend plays um, cost us, you know, in the AFC Championship yeah. game, among other things. But, um, you know, when you have a, a, a quarterback that 
can stand in the pocket, can deliver the football in, uh, on time, and then also extend plays. It, it makes it hard to defend. Have you ever seen a quarterback who, like, floats backwards like he does? Like, for you as a pass rusher, outside linebacker guy, like, mm-hmm. is that weird? It, you- well, it's just difficult right. because, you know, you think you're gaining on him and you're really not. He's just drifting He's and continuing you the, up, arm so, stre- yeah, yeah, the arm okay. strength to, to be able to throw the football um, without setting his feet is something that um, – you know, it's very impressive. Yeah. How do you strike the balance with your defensive players about treating a quarterback who chooses to run the ball like a running back? Because you had to be frustrated on that run to the end zone. Now, I know some of it is his athleticism and elusiveness, but I just feel like when a quarterback strays toward the sideline, sometimes defensive players, they're coached to hit him as hard as they possibly can, as legally as they possibly can. Um, but do, do you see what we see where sometimes as he, I, I as a quarterback do. strays toward the sideline, guys start to pull up? Or, or even a guy, you know, here's what happens sometimes. Guys slide, guys slide, guys slide. And then all of a sudden on the third or fourth one, they don't slide. Right. And guys are pulling off because, you know, we're, we're coaches a very fine line. Our guys are coached to go full tilt to the tackle. And uh, there, there's an element of judgment and composure as that play is ending, whether it's an offensive lineman, you know, finishing the guy over the pile or, or pushing the pile um, or a defensive player that's going after the quarterback. There, there's an element of, of a decision-making and, and a composure that they have to have when, when a, a mobile quarterback scrambles and then chooses to slide late like that. It's on the defender. Does it drive you crazy as the next defender? <coughs> it doesn't. I mean, that's the rules. I know. And that's I what knew. we have to try to coach. And yeah. As long as we can coach it, as long as yeah. we can do our best to coach the player when they ask, Coach, what am I supposed to do? If I don't have an answer, that's a, that's a bad place to be in. I saw it happen this weekend in the XFL. I know you don't watch the XFL. I do. P.J. Walker yeah. started to pull up at the sideline, slowed down, and just shot back inside. He's done some really yards. good things, hasn't he? Yes, I, he has. He able to extend plays. Cardell Jones, I watched him um, play the other day. Obviously wanted to follow and see what Cardell did um, from, from Ohio State in the time that we spent there together. But uh, certainly looked like P.J. Um, was exciting the other day. Are you watching that league with, like, keeping notes, telling guys, uh, John Robinson, hey, here's a guy maybe we want to take a look at? We'll evaluate it, and our guys, our scouts are are watching those games. Um, you know, I was curious about the kickoff and, and what that may look like and if that's something that, that we would entertain as, as, as our league is, is something that you know, could help the game and make it better and obviously make it safer. Trust me, J-Rob's in charge. They're going to evaluate the XFL guys. I can tell you that for sure. What's the first conversation with Belichick like after you beat him in the playoffs? Um, it's a quick one. <laughs> <laughs> I just said thanks, Coach. The same thing I say. I say good game. Uh, appreciate uh, appreciate you. And then, uh, and then when, you know, found Carter. Did yeah. you know about the loophole before he used it? And told the world about it. Did you yeah. know about that for loophole with delay a game and, uh, and all that? You stuff? know, yeah, we're we're very aware of what the rules are. Um, again, we're just going to play by the rules and um, try to win when we can. Uh, you know, use them to our advantage. <laughs> I just thought it was so odd that he told the world. He used it in that. I think it was a Monday night game. Sure. Yeah, because it's like, hey, right. maybe some guys that don't know about this, and uh, you're you're flagging it, and it ended up getting used against him. But you already knew about it anyway, so it wouldn't have mattered. Yeah, you just we were never up big enough in the fourth quarter to be able to use it before in games. We're usually the ones that are in a one-score game. So when are you going to sign Ryan Tannehill? You know, with free agency, it's uh, you know, it's a two-way street. Players have to want to be back, um, and then teams have to make decisions, and there's a lot of tough decisions that we have to make, and again, appreciative of Ryan and what he did, and then I know that John and his staff is, you know, they're working hard to try to re-sign all our players that we want back. What about the other beast? 
22, Derrick Henry. What's the thought there? I mean, for just if well, the could. thought is he's just a you know. Um, I felt like the thing that he improved on the most was his leadership. Yeah, and that's unique from a running back. I don't think you know guys like Eddie George are great leaders. I played with Eddie, and I can comment on that. But sometimes, you know, runners you just kind of hand them the ball yeah, and they kind of right. do their thing. Right. Um, but I felt like his leadership skills um, really, really grew throughout the season. You know, when right. when a play that we were putting in for a game maybe didn't look great or we hadn't run it as many times and it didn't look great in practice and Derek would be the one to say hey run it again I didn't have to say anything guys got lined up and they, and they ran the play again and so um, I told him that after the season I said you had a phenomenal year you led the league in rushing uh, you carried this football team but you improved as a leader right. and and I don't want to um, you know neglect that you're one of the few teams that this question of whether or not there's going to be a new labor deal affects the most because if there isn't you get a franchise tag and a transition tag that could be used for Tannehill and for Henry. Cowboys are in that same boat. Maybe the Buccaneers, depending upon what they do with Jameis Winston. Are, are you kind of hoping there isn't a new CBA so it's it creates some flexibility? Uh, you know, all I want is what's guys? best for the league and, and for the players. And having been, you know, on both sides, I know that when you do a deal, uh, it's got to be good, you know, for both people. Both people got to leave a deal uh, feeling like they got something out of it. And, uh, you know, I'm hoping – as always, what's best for the league and what's best for the players. So I love coaching. I love coaching players, and I, I want to be around players as much as I can. Is there anything glaring that you could share with us or you just look at it and go, All right, I, I, this has to improve on our team next year? I mean, maybe you don't want to share it with us. but No, we had 31 pre-snap penalties. Okay. So we complain about you know, being poor on third down or needing to improve on third down. Uh, let's start there. Let's right. not start. Let's start there, where instead of being in uh, third and seven, it's third and two. Right. Uh, or you know, being able to convert and not be in long yardage situations. Yeah. So let's see if we can stay on sides and not move uh, until the ball moves. Yeah. Defensively, we got to get better in the red zone. We went from number one in the league to 31st. So I don't know why we have to figure that out. We have right. to coach better and we have to play better. Well, it's been a great run so far for you in Tennessee. We enjoy watching it, and we wish you all the best. Appreciate it. Mike Vrabel, Titans head coach. You're the man. Thanks, guys. Good luck. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. Great seeing you. Yep. They all want to get drafted, but not all of them will. We're back live at the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. It's Pro Football Talk Live with Mike Florio. So the Board of Player Representatives of the NFL Players Association has voted just enough, just enough, got 17 approving of the proposed labor deal. So it goes to a full vote of all union members, 1,900 dues-paying players if at least 50% plus one vote in favor of the CBA, it will be ratified. They hope to do that vote within the next couple of weeks. Russell Wilson has spoken out against the proposed CBA. Said Wilson on Twitter on Wednesday, the NBA and MLB are doing it right. Players come first. All NFL players deserve the same. We should not rush the next 10 years for today's satisfaction. I vote no. Now, Josh. What's interesting about comments by players like Russell Wilson, and we'll get to Aaron Rodgers, but Russell Wilson and J.J. Watt aren't involved in union leadership. When star players do a drive-by and a kind of a vague no without any specifics, and Russell Wilson really had no specifics there, if you're not involved in union leadership, the guys who are get upset because they're the ones who have been in the negotiating sessions. They were in Miami 
Super Bowl week for their meetings there to discuss the deal. They were in L.A. the following week. They've they done the work. Here. Some of them put in 10 hours on Tuesday. Right. They get upset, and if anything, it galvanizes those guys to get the word out as to why they do what they did. It upsets them. They feel like they're being challenged and they're being disrespected. So I, I, in a weird sort of way, it actually helps the process of ratification to have these star players kind of recklessly say no because it forces the guys who did the deal to work harder to sell it. So is it just saying no for no sake that we need to delay this process so it actually seems like we're putting up a fight, that we, we're not just succumbing to whatever power the owners are putting in front, and so we can't just seem feeble and weak and take whatever deal that they're putting on the table right now? I think the worst thing both sides did from a PR standpoint was when this all first came up four weeks ago that the NFLPA was getting together to talk about this deal – both the NFL and the NFLPA should have made sure more people in the media understood that they've spent 10 months negotiating and they have reached an agreement that the negotiating teams are comfortable with. Now they have to sell it to their clients. And the NFL has bought it and they're working through the process of the NFLPA buying it. But you've got too many people who are like, oh, this is the first offer. You never take the first offer. No, this isn't the first offer. This yeah. is the product of 10 months of negotiation. And there is a mutual understanding and belief among the negotiators that now is the time to do the deal. Because you do the deal now, you do the new TV deals now, the overall pot that you're sharing is bigger. There's two deals for the NFLPA to think about. What they do with the league and what the league can then do with the networks. And if you're willing to roll the dice on the possibility that the TV deals will be the same next year, then you can push to try to get a bigger deal with the union. But with the league, rather. You're taking the risk, though, that you're gonna get a little bit bigger deal with the league but the pot of money from the TV rights will shrink. Not to veer off on this, but you mentioned that these negotiations have happened for the last 10 months. What happened to the second buy? I mean, the second buy seemed like it had been mentioned for the last 10 months. Second buy, them- no, no, second buy, here's why, here's why second buy is a problem. The networks don't want the second buy. Networks don't, Mark Murphy, the Packers CEO, told me this last July when yeah. he was the first one to really crystallize 17 as a possibility. I've been saying for years, let's screw 18, let's play 17. Mark Murphy came out at the shareholders meeting they do every July and started talking about 17. I got him on the phone after that, not to name drop. I mean, but, but it, it's did. true. It's true. It's live. Not to brag. It's true. Um, he told me that two buys, they did it in 1993, if you remember. You were alive in 93, weren't you? I was. I was okay. five years old. Well, thank you for that. Um, I wasn't. Uh, <laughs> but uh, um, uh, Thanks for anyway. asking. Yeah, no problem. They did two buys that year. And... The networks don't like it because what you do is when you add in that second buy, Josh, you're going to have some weekends when you look at the slate of games and it's like eh, not really good games here because you're taking a full week and sucking it out of the other schedule. The networks want to have that more robust weekly schedule. They don't want to have two buys. I guess I always assumed that the 17 games came with two buys, though, because right now, what else do the players have to give up? And I I understand that this is going to be— One fewer preseason game. That's always been the hook. Three preseason games, 17 regular season games, and still one buy. And I know the focus is only on the next 10 years, but what about the 10 years after that? And a lot of these players— None of these players— 18. That's what happens. But then— I mean, the players have nothing out. Once you go to 17, then it's to 18, so on and so forth. And obviously these players aren't going to be involved most likely in 10 years. But that's my concern for them, that they've just not received enough. And obviously they've been going on these negotiations for, for so long. I, I, I just don't understand how it's changing all in favor of the league side. Here's, here's the like. question, though. What is your leverage and are you willing to use it? Yeah. There are tools available to a union under the federal labor laws. You can let the contract expire, and you can go on strike. And we've seen in the past what happens 
when NFL players go on strike. The league replaces them. The players eventually cave, and they show up. And that's that. And we're talking—see, I I explained this over the weekend in a couple of different posts I wrote about how the NFL is so different than a normal union— situation like a factory right a factory shuts down for four weeks none of the workers in that factory had a lifelong dream of working in that factory and the money that goes away when you miss weeks of pro football that it doesn't come back when you reopen a factory after three or four weeks everybody gets overtime they got to catch up on the orders you actually may come out of it with more money than you would have had if you hadn't had a strike that money for an nfl player is never coming back and it's so much money look how do you go from a weekly check of $500,000 or $200,000 or $100,000 to nothing. You've got obligations. Your lifestyle has evolved to, to match that revenue, and all of a sudden you've got nothing. It's going to be a lot easier for a guy who's making 25 bucks an hour to go to zero. Even if you don't have savings, it's easier to scrap together what you need from friends and family and strike fund or whatever. You need a hell of a strike fund. And they've been setting royalty money aside for the past couple of years. It's still not going to come close to giving these guys what they need. I remember back in 2011, guys like Bryant McKinney went out and got these ridiculous loans with 20-plus percent interest just during a lockout that didn't even wipe out any games. So that's the concern. Can they stay away? Will they stay away? And if you're not willing to use that piece of ultimate leverage, it makes it harder to get the best possible deal. And I guess the timing always stood out to me, too, because, again, we've heard these rumblings for months and months and months, but then it just seemed like overnight that it was super close, that deals were on the table. But ultimately, and it, all the signs point to this, it's just due to television, is it not? TV, yeah, and look, I'm, the, the specifics are not yet out there because the negotiations haven't begun. But my understanding is... We're talking about, under the new TV deals, an extra $100 million per team per year. That that is a but, reasonable expectation. And that's a year from now, though. So they want this to already be in place so they can say, hey, we are going to work for 10 years, so let's do these long right. television deals. The deal's going to be in place. You're using labor peace as the carrot to get these long-term deals. And 2021 is when the Monday Night Football deal expires. All the other deals expire 2022. The new deals would kick in. 2022 for Monday Night Football, 2023 for everything else, the 17 games, whenever that kicks in. See, that's going to be sold separately, and nobody knows how that's going to work. But those extra 16 games, maybe that's a streaming option for Yahoo or Amazon or YouTube. You know, there's all this is this is going to be, I think, like a transitional TV deal where there's still going to be huge money from the traditional broadcast networks. But this is where they're going to start dipping their toe in the water in a meaningful way, which means it's going to be maybe the whole foot in the water with one of these streaming companies that will give them a ton of money. And you're going to sacrifice some eyeballs, but you're going to make a lot of money. That's the balance for the NFL. You don't maximize the audience, but you maximize the money when you do business with one of these streaming companies. But we'll see how it goes. They want to have it done within the next two weeks. we got more PFT Live coming at you right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Keep 
Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave.